All right, good morning. Kids, where are you guys at? Raise up your hands. All right, so if you're new here, uh, on the first and third Sunday of each week, or uh, each month, we have kids in the service, uh, so they can be here in with us, and then, and then part of the sermon is kind of geared a little bit more towards, towards kids. Um, and then second and fourth week of each month, kids go to a thing that we call Kids Connect, so they can have kind of time with, with other kids their age and, and learn more what it's like to participate in the body of Christ. So today, kids are in here, so raise your hands up one more time. All right, so my first question for you is I need you to tell me the name of somebody in your family. What do you got? Sarah. And Sarah is your mom. All right, Marshall? Daniel. And Daniel is your dad. Lucy? Dad? That's me, right? Okay. Yeah, what do you got, Levi? Evie, your sister. Levian? David, my brother. All right, what about like, let's go like extended family. Evie, what do you got? Aunt Colleen, Ramona? Another aunt? Yeah. Grandma. Okay, so aunts, grandmas, dads, sisters, brothers. We got lots of family, right? Okay, well, today, one of the things we're talking about is we've, we've been talking about this idea of adoption. We're adopted into God's family, and we've been mostly talking about how that changes our relationship with God. But today, we're going to talk about how that changes our relationship with each other. So we have our, our, our families, our, our moms, our dads, our grandmas, our grandpas, our brothers, our sisters, our aunts, our uncles, our, our cousins, our second cousins, our third cousins, our, our, all these people that are our, our family. But when we trust in Jesus, we get a, a new family. We're, we're adopted into God's family, and that changes not only our relationship with God, it changes our relationship with one another. And so if you have trusted in Jesus, then I am your brother which is kind of, kind of strange, right? That, that's, that's different. That, that's new. Uh, and, and we could be weird about that, and we're not going to be weird about that. But, but we are in relationship with one another in a new way because of what God has done for us. And so we're going to talk about that today. And so kids, I would encourage you to go home and ask your parents what they learned about what it means that we are family with one another in the church. Um, and parents, go home and use this as an opportunity to, to share the good news of what Jesus has done for us, not only in changing our relationship with, with God, but our, him changing our relationship with one another. So let's, let's pray, and then we'll get into this together this morning. Father, we thank you that you, you sent your son you sent your son to, to bring us back into relationship with yourself. And that because of Jesus, not, not only has our relationship with you been, been restored, but, but our relationship with, with other people 
is being restored. So we pray this morning that as we, as we look at your word, as we talk about adoption, as we talk about what it means that, that we are family with one another, that you would send your spirit to, to encourage us and, and challenge us to, to, to move us closer to, to you and closer to one another. Jesus, we thank you for who you are and what you've done for us. That's in your name we pray. Amen. So today, we're, we're talking about our, our relationships with one another. And uh, just, just full disclosure, uh, this morning I sent Daniel and Sean Daniels back from sabbatical, by the way. Let's all be thankful for that. So all of those, those shepherding issues you've been you know, holding until he comes back, like, feel free to run up to him after service. But I sent Daniel and Sean a message and was just like, hey, like, like, pray for me. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm not really, really excited about this sermon. And it's because it's like, uh, it's a pretty simple idea. And, and I like things to be a little more, a little more challenging, you know? Uh, but so today, like, it's, it's not going to be, not going to be revolutionary. It's not going to be complex. Uh, we're just talking about the reality that we are family because of what Christ has done for us. So we've been going through this series, talking about our adoption in Jesus. We've, we've seen that, that God sent Jesus in, in, at the right moment in history, in the right way. He was born of a woman. He was born under the law so that he could be our substitute and to, to bring us out of our slavery to the law and sin and death and Satan. And he didn't just do that and then kind of leave us alone. He, he redeemed us into a family. He redeemed us so that we would be adopted as sons and daughters of God. So, so that's what we get if we trust in Jesus, right? We, we can't pick and choose the aspects of salvation we get. Following Jesus isn't like going to a buffet where you can be like, I, you know, I'll, I'll take a, a little bit of justification and I'll take some of that redemption and I'll take a, a lot of that forgiveness, but, but that adoption stuff, like that's not really my thing. I'll, I'll, I'll leave that on the table. Like we get, we get all the blessings of salvation. Ephesians 1.3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. We get all of them, and adoption is one of them. And being adopted into God's family, it changes our relationship with him, and it changes our relationship with one another, right? We're, we're brought into family with one another. If we're sons and daughters of God, then we are brothers and sisters with one another, this is why, kind of a, a little, little, little side note here, this is why it doesn't really make sense to say things like, oh, I, I like Jesus, but, but I don't really need the church. Because the church is one of those things that Jesus purchased for us. Doesn't mean the church always gets it right. right? There's some pretty strange members of this family. But we're still family. If you've trusted in Christ, then you have been adopted as a son or daughter of God. And if you're a son or daughter of God, then you are brothers and sisters with everyone else who has trusted in Jesus. That kind of freaks us out a little bit. I remember several years ago, there was, there was a guy who, I think he was maybe a college student, but he was like, that, that BC, I'm, I'm pretty sure they're a cult. Why, why, why do you think we're a cult? Well, because you say the church is family. You're right. We do say that. You know what else says that? The Bible. 
Right, the Bible uses this language. We, we may not talk this way regularly, right? We don't like call each other brother and sisters. Some, some churches do that and, and that's, that's their thing. That's, that's not our thing. But the Bible uses this language. So check this out. This week, as I was kind of preparing to talk about this, I, I looked at the way the word that's translated brother or, or brothers and sisters is used throughout the New Testament. So in the Gospels, before the church exists, before the church kind of busts on the scenes, in the Gospels, that word is used uh, about 25, 28% of the time to talk about non-family relationships, talk about how we relate to one another. The rest of the time, three-fourths of the time, it's used to talk about biological family members. That's in the Gospels. Once we get past the Gospels, Acts onward, once the church kind of busts onto the scene, the word brother or brothers or sisters is used 96% of the time to talk about the way we relate to one another. Almost all the time. Like the way the word is used in the New Testament shifts dramatically when the church is established. Family is the dominant metaphor to describe the way we relate to one another in the church. It's like three times more common than anything else. We are family. Here's some examples of how this is used. Romans 12.10, love one another with brotherly affection. How do we treat one another? We treat one another with brotherly affection. Galatians 1.11, for I would have you know, brothers, that's who Paul is talking to in the church, that the gospel was preached by me is not man's gospel. 2 Thessalonians 3.13, as for you, brothers, do not grow weary in doing good. It's, it's, it's so common and so prevalent, so all over the place that we almost kind of just skip over these words because we're so used to them. But in, in simple, consistent, clear ways, the New Testament authors are describing the church as family. And I could give you a couple hundred more examples of this. I'm not going to do that because we don't want to be here all day. But we're, we're family. We're, we're sons and daughters of God. That makes us brothers and sisters with one another. And I'm going to say that probably about 50 more times this morning. Because that's, that's what we need to understand. That's the point that we need to get out of this. And this is, this is good news. Right? In fact, one of the ways that Jesus is overturning the curse of the fall is, is through what he does with adoption. So way back at the beginning of the Bible, right, God, God creates everything. He makes all the things and, and all of the things are good. At least until we get to Genesis 2.18. And then God says it, it's not good. It's not good that that man is alone. So Adam is alone in the garden, and God says that's not a good thing. And so God answers uh, Adam's not good loneliness by giving him a wife, giving him Eve, and then everything is, is good again, at least until we get to Genesis 3, and then the fall happens. Adam and Eve disobey the rule that God made for them, and, and sin enters the world. God's creation is broken, and, and, and one of the effects of that fall, of sin entering the world, of the curse entering the world, is that Adam and Eve's relationship is broken too. It's not, it's not fully broken, but Galatians 3, 6, or Genesis 3.16 makes it clear that conflict enters their relationship. It's not all good anymore. And Jesus came to, to overturn the curse of the fall. Jesus came to, to unbreak what was broken by us in our sins. So he came to restore not just our relationship with God, but our relationship with one another, right? Not just the, the husband and wife relationship, but, but all human relationships. And so the question then is, is how do we, how do, we do that, 
Right? How, do, how do we walk this out? If, if one of the blessings of the gospel, one of the blessings of adoption is that we are family with one another, how do we, how do, we do this? How do we, how do we be family? So listen to what Paul says in 1 Timothy 5.1. He says, Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father, younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters, in all purity. So are you ready for this earth-shattering, revolutionary idea? The way we do church as family is by treating each other like family. The way we do church as family is by treating each other like family. Like that, that, that's it. Like that, that's the answer. Now, there's some problems there, right? Because cause, cause I, don't, I don't know what your family is like, but, but maybe sometime families don't actually treat each other the way that they should, right? In fact, C.S. Lewis in his book, The Four Loves, he talks about how sometimes the, the way families treat each other if you treated someone else outside your family that way, it would just end the relationship, right? You wouldn't just, you just wouldn't spend time with those people anymore. But because they're your family, you don't, you don't really have a choice. And in reality, there are a lot of people that have been hurt by the church that way. But Paul isn't saying, treat people like your family treats people. He's encouraging us to treat people the way family should be treated. See, the reality is we, we often sin against the people that we're closest to because there's this, this presumption of love and grace. Right? We, 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 we know in our brokenness that we can do it and get away with it. And really what that is, is it's, 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 a, it's a right belief with, with a wrong action. You see, it's, it's a good thing that in our families there is love and grace and acceptance. So we can, we can be who we are, right? We can share what, what's really going on inside. We can be vulnerable. We can open up. We can, we can live our lives with each other in, in a real and authentic way. The problem then is, is when we let our brokenness out and sin against people. We want the safe space, but, but that doesn't mean that it's okay for us to sin against people knowing that they're going to forgive us. But the beautiful thing about, about family relationships is that they don't go away. Right? We, we, we stick together. People stick around. We, we grow together over time. Because we love one another. And obviously, I know in our culture, families, families get broken. But the reality is that, that the best families stay together and that the church can be that kind of a place. So how do we, how do we be family with one another? Right? So Paul said, encourage older men as you would a father. So let's think, Right? How would I want the church to treat my dad? Right? If I, if I could create 
the, the perfect church for my dad to go to, like what would it look like? How, how would the people in that church treat him? Well, they, they would talk to him. They, they would ask him questions about his life. They would get involved in his life. They would invite him to, to have coffee, to come over for dinner, to go play golf, to go fly fish. They, they would get to know him and who he is, and they would do life with him for the purpose of, of building him up and encouraging him. They would be family with him. Treat younger, women, younger men like brothers. How would you want the church to treat your brother? Encourage them. Build them up. Ask them questions about themselves. Ask them what they do for fun. Go do that fun thing with them. Spend time with younger men. Be a brother to them. Have fun with them. Be family to them. Right? How would you want the church to treat your mom? Be kind to older women. Serve them. Encourage them. Talk to them. Ask them about the things that they like to do for fun. Ask them about their hobbies. Uh, talk to them about those things. Right? We, we know how to be human beings with one another. We know how to be family with one another. We just, we just need to do that with one another. How do you want the church to treat your sister? Treat younger women like that. I think that... We want this to be complicated. But it's not. It's not easy. But what we need to do is pretty clear. We do the things that families do with one another. And somebody needs to go first. So it might as well be me. It might as well be you. I think that just about everybody at our church thinks that just about everybody else at our church is more connected than they are, right? So we're kind of like that Spider-Man meme where we're all pointing at each other thinking like, oh, they're more connected than I am. But what we don't know is that people are pointing at us saying they're more connected than I am. I hear from far more people that they, they, they feel disconnected than from people that are like, I've got all the connection I need. Some of you are out there. But at times, I, I think that we, we often think that like everybody else is out there hanging out with everyone all the time and we're just, we're just left out. And like so, sometimes that happens, Right? In, in a church like ours, where we like to do life with one another, people are going to do life without you. And you're going to do life without other people. Like, it's, it's, just, it's just inevitable. But what I'm saying is that we can't just, we can't just sit around and wait for connection to, to come to us. At some point, we have to go out and connect with other people. The people that are, that are most connected are the people that connect the most. And so if, if you're at a place where you, you need more relationship than you have, you need more connection than you have, recognize, first of all, that there are other people around you that feel exactly like you feel. Chances are the person that you talk to before service or after service feels that way. The person that you're in MC with feels that way. The new person that you talked to this morning, they feel that way. 
So be the person that, that steps out towards that other person and asks them to connect, ask them to lunch, invite them over, spend time with them, get to know them. Be someone who is pursuing relationship. Right, somebody's got to take the first step. So let it be you. If you want the church to feel more like a family, just start treating people like family. And here, I want to pause and talk to my introvert friends. And I'm going to start by just telling you about this time that I was an idiot. Uh, I don't know, not, it wasn't incredibly long ago at our time at BC, my wife and I were having a disagreement uh, about the amount of things that we do in our schedule. Um, and I wanted to do more things, have more people over, spend more time with people. And she's an introvert, and so she wanted those same exact things. She wanted none of that. And, and, you know, it's because she just doesn't like people. It didn't have anything to do with the fact that she was taking care of small babies all the time and, and all of that stuff. And me, being the loving and understanding husband that I am, looked at her in the midst of this argument and I said, introversion is an effect of the fall. <laughs> yep. 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 I know. I know, right? I'm, I'm, I'm here now, all right? I, I get it, okay? I get it. I said, we were created for community. And she agreed with me and everything's fine. <laughs> the next day, when I came to my senses, I said, what I should have said was, and so is extroversion. One thing that we often do um, is that we compare our strengths to other people's weaknesses. Right? We think like, I'm great at this thing. I'm great. I'm great. I'm not talking about myself. I'm not great at organization. But maybe you say like, I'm great at organization. These people over here, they're really disorganized. Right? And that's not fair because what we're doing is we're comparing the thing that we're strong and the thing that they're weak in. I think that also in, in moments of, of defeat, what we tend to do is we tend to compare our weaknesses with other people's strengths. And so the first thing I want to tell introverts is do not compare yourself to extroverts. Like that's, that's not who God made you to be. So if you look out there and you think like, oh, there's this person and they're connecting with all these people. They're spending time with all these people. Like I want to be just like them. Don't do that. Like, you'll, you'll burn out and you'll be miserable. Like, you, you can't do that. That's not who God made you to be. And so if it, you're an introvert and you're feeling disconnected and you want to connect with more people, what I would encourage you to do is to start small. Like, really small. Don't try to connect with five people this week. Don't try to connect with people every day this week. Try to connect with maybe a person. Maybe, maybe two people if you're feeling like an overachiever. Like just, just step out a little more, right? I think that we, we think that, 
you know, Jesus wants us to go from zero to a hundred and that anything short of that is failure, right? What he wants is us to, to walk in obedience. I think one step of obedience is a step of obedience. So don't, don't burn yourself out. Don't compare yourself to extroverts. Start small. Start in ways that you can. Like, be okay with being an introvert and invite people in. Extroverts, don't look at the introverts and think, they're failing and you're succeeding. Because the reality is that lots of extroverts spend time with a lot of people and don't actually connect with any of them. Introverts are actually way better at legitimately connecting with people because they can slow down and, and focus on the one person. And so don't compare yourself to introverts and think that you're succeeding. Like actually develop deep relationships with people instead of just trying to spend time with everyone all the time. Like do that too, right? We, we want you connecting with everybody at BC. We, we need that. But we need you to, to dig down deep too and actually build real relationships with people. I think that whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, sometimes we're, we're waiting for this, this kind of magical moment to happen in, in our lives or in the life of the church. Right? This is like the, the college student who's, who's walking around and, and they're looking for the one. You know, and they just think like, I'm going to meet this person and like the lights are going to flash, the sirens are going to go off, like the heavens are going to open up and I'm going to hear this voice and it's going to say, this is the one. And while that is what happened when I met Jen, like that, that, that might not be everybody's experience. But like we're, we're, we're I think we're sometimes just like waiting for this thing to happen. But the reality is, is that if you are in Christ and you're already part of the family, right? Like we don't, we don't have to, to create these relationships. We don't, we don't have to, to make community happen. Like Jesus has already purchased this for us. This is a, a, a benefit of the gospel that we get to, to walk in, to live in, to experience. So like we don't, we don't have to do that much other than just be there, other than just be family with one another. So I want to close with this passage from 1 Thessalonians 4, 9 and 10. This is Paul writing to the church at, at Thessalonica. And he says, Now, concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you. For you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. For that indeed is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more. So what I don't want any of you to hear this morning is that you're doing a bad job because I don't think that like, are there ways we could connect more at BC? Absolutely. But I think that, that any one of us elders could say along with Paul that like, we don't, we don't need to, to write to you about brotherly affection. We don't need to preach a sermon to you about how to love one another. We already do this so well as a church. There's, there's so much evidence of this. There are examples all over the place. And if you just you pay attention, you will see it. And if you feel like you can't see it, come talk to me afterwards and I'll give you lots of examples. We love one another well. But we need to hear Paul say, 
right? Do this more and more. Keep, keep doing it. I think one of, one of the problems we have as a church is that when people say that we do something well, we like, stop doing it. We're like, good, we're great at this. Now we don't have to do it anymore. And so don't do that. Keep loving one another well. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep, keep being family with one another. Keep inviting people into this family. Keep connecting with people that are disconnected. Right? Because Jesus has purchased this community for us. It's something that we get to be a part of. And so whether you want to be around people all the time or whether you want to be around people none of the time, begin to walk in more and more obedience in this area. Be the person that, that steps out first in new relationships. Invite people in. Treat people like family. Ask them questions about themselves. Treat them how you want to be treated. I feel like I've maybe read that somewhere before or heard that at some point in some, some book by some person. Right? These, these aren't revolutionary concepts. It's simple. We just need to walk in obedience. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you that, that often what you ask of us is not complex. But that your word is, is clear. We thank you that you have welcomed us into your family. You've brought us into family with one another. And we pray that you would help us to, to, to walk in that reality. That we would be committed and devoted to one another. Not because we all have it together. But because we don't. That we would be there for each other. Like we want people to be there for our family. We pray that you would send your spirit to, to empower us to be for one another manifestations of the love that you have for us. We pray that as we continue in, in this service, as we celebrate Jesus, the Lord's Supper, your, your death on our behalf, as we, we sing songs of worship and as we fellowship with one another afterwards, that, that you would move us outward towards obedience, towards one another. That we would begin to connect in new ways. We would walk in this blessing of the gospel that you have purchased for us. It's in your name we pray. Amen.